Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee in the morning time right now. It's, it's morning. It's a good morning. It, it's uh, This has to be one, of, fine morning, one, of, one of maybe three episodes we've done before noon, I would say. That's not true. We used to go live all the time at around 7 a.m. Since we started the podcast itself, oh, we, okay. we used to do our live videos at... 7 a.m., 8 a.m. every single yeah. day, something mm-hmm. like that. Now we we tend to record at like 2 p.m. every single day. But Charlie has other things that are more important than liberty in his life, and he's got to <laughs> leave and and go take care of those things. It's not golf this time, so no. so that's good. It's good that it's not golf, you know. Well. We all can't be good at everything. So you want to join the live group. That way you can see Charlie and I work on our air drumming techniques for every single show when that comes in. I can't not play drums to that that amazing Three Pill Morning song. If you guys like that, search Three Pill Morning on iTunes. Great band of which Charlie used to be a part of, but yeah. they had to get someone better. And <laughs> we commend them for that. You know? That was back in the day. Back you know? in the day. I was looking at you know how Facebook does that time hop thing or whatever. And something popped up from, it was eight years ago. Yeah. And it was me just slapping the bass, man. (laughs) Big time. Big time. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, Like, wow. Was it like up here? Like, no, no, you played your normal bass down here. Yeah. I played it. Okay. I played it. In fact, most girls were like, that looks like a guitar. Yeah. Cause it's so low down (laughs) here. And I'm a giant. Like you're in a punk rock band. Exactly. Like down here. Yeah. Anyway, it was fun fun and funny to watch Charlie sometimes, depending on how many drinks he had beforehand. But anyway, <laughs> that's not what we have to talk about today. we got to talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning like we do every single day. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done it. Statistics show that 96% of people subscribe to this podcast, and those people have better lives than the other whore percenters that do not sign up for <laughs> the podcast. So if you want to have a better life then you want to go ahead and hit subscribe, follow, whatever it is. You can do it on YouTube. We put up the videos every day, or you can just just be everywhere. I'm super active on Twitter these days. Don't you, be part of that whore percent, man. You can go back like six months ago, and I'll talk about how we don't do anything on Twitter. And now, basically, this is weird, and my normal life is on Twitter these days. And it's terrible. I tell you what, Twitter is a dumpster fire of hatred and stupidity that all rings, the time. That rings true. It, Everybody talks about that. It's and terrible. it hasn't changed. I know. I know? know. It's kind of like, you know, the, L- the, the LNC, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's kind of a dumpster fire, but you know, if you want to be part of the change, join it. Well, a lot of people have joined Twitter and it hasn't changed. Hey, Neil says his life has greatly improved since he started to listen. And and listen, I I really hope that that's true. But it has nothing to do with us. We're just talking about how you got to take responsibility and make your life better. And we got to talk about ways where, you know, we, we complain about stuff all the time when it comes to the government and all the crazy crap that's going on right now. But it doesn't mean that you should just go around hateful and resentful and mad at the world and feeling like it's about to end and there's no point in anything. No, we got to find a way to rise above it. We got to find a way to care about these things, but not let them run our lives. So that's why we work on trading. We got the healthcare company. We got the podcast going on and you got to find all those things too, because 
individualism is the thing that we push here all the time. We're all individually unique people that own ourselves, self-ownership. And so we don't need to be wor too worried about the collective until the collective's outside your house with a gun, but you got to be ready for that at some point in time. Right. You know, the, I was talking so to Stephanie about that last night, and I was like, man, I get so frustrated. I watched, um, I watched, I think it was 13 on Netflix last night, and that is, um, it's a recent kind of documentary on how uh, the justice system essentially has held down black people throughout the years. You know, after they were freed from the, sl from slaves, you had the forced labor, then you had, uh, the Jim Crow laws, then you had segregation and now it's felonies because if you get a felony, you lose your rights just like yeah. you were a slave. You can't vote. You can't own a gun. You can't do anything else. If you're labeled a felon, it's hard to get a job and the, the amount of imprisonment of, you know, black, black males, make up 5.3% of the population, yet they make up 40% of the prison population. And so all that was well and good. And they went through like Bill Clinton and his three strike rule and all that stuff. And then they, they played some of Trump's rhetoric and I was fine with all of that until part of it was like, oh, well, they were mad at this, you know, private organization called Alec, which Alec is American legislative executive something center. And they write a lot of the legislation and all these companies that donate to them. They, they pass some of these laws and things like that. And it's like, they're mad at the, the, the anger is at the wrong place. They're mad at the corporations. Now it doesn't mean that corporations don't do nefarious or bad things. They absolutely do. But who writes the damn laws? Who, who passes the laws? Right. Who, who enforces it's the like, laws? Okay. Alec may write the legislation, but they need a representative to introduce it to the body. And then they need the body to vote on it and pass it. Yeah. And who does that ultimately? What like the the foundational, the root to the injustice tree is government. Yet you want to cut off the corporation branch. Now I'm not saying the, the branch is benevolent and, and inherently good. Corporations do do bad things. But it's much easier to control a corporation. You just stop donating to uh, stop buying from them as we'll be talking about here as we'll just be a talking second. about pretty soon yeah but the government how did how do you get rid of that power and, and that's the problem like you, you take it from them that's the only way there's this idea that you can stop all of the bad people from existing like whoever runs alec or whoever the politicians are or whoever whoever people are in the corporations and, yeah you just and make it illegal everywhere you just make that illegal and create an oversight committee for the oversight committee and you you do all of these things and that's going to stop it that's not what's going to stop it the only thing that's going to stop it is removing the power that is the only thing because without the power to enact force over your life, all of the bad people mean nothing to you yeah. whatsoever. You're giving them the power by empowering the government to do all of these things. If you take away that power, then it doesn't matter what corporations want to lobby for what. Why would you lobby for something when the government can't do that? Why? Who cares? Yeah, and they're talking about, you know, the for-profit prisons thing is a tough discussion. And I'm, I don't, I'm not sure where to go on that uh, because obviously you think the incentive structure would be, well, the more people in prison, the more money you make. And it's, it's a billion dollar corporation. I mean, they're making a lot of money and you could see on the timeline, the amount of people imprisoned, you know, since like 1900, it's just keep going up and up and up and up. And as I said, black males make up 5.3% of the population, yet they make up 40% of the prison population, just black males. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a big disparity. And so we went from, we did go from slavery to Jim Crow to segregation and the civil rights. And see, if you guys look at the history, it's not hard to tell. 
What have they done to help black people? They passed laws. What have the laws done that's been any good? Do you think that the answer is more laws? Like, oh, well, we'll just make a law to make what Alec does illegal. <clears throat> They'll find another way. It's like I said yesterday. I mean, we've been legislating this stuff for hundreds of years now, and you're telling me that, that this year... That, that this year we're going to finally fix everything. We spend more money and legislate yeah. more things and then it'll all be fixed. If we just take away and it's not even like we don't have to go back on back and forth on defunding the police. But the argument I push back on is we've spent twenty seven trillion dollars on the war on poverty. You're telling me that the amount of money we spend on police that we're going to magically put that in the fighting poverty and then there's not going to be any more poverty anywhere. Yeah. All the communities like, will be built out, out, you know, outside of your desires for private policing or whatever it is like the the math doesn't add up. The idea that you can take that money and dump it back in the fighting poverty. It doesn't work. We've already put trillions of dollars in the fighting poverty. We're not going to, Oh, you know what happened? We didn't put, we didn't put 500 billion more dollars in and that's been the problem so far. That's it's the problem is always that there wasn't enough money put into something. Yeah, man, these numbers don't float. They, exactly. <laughs> you know that that dog that that dog don't have its marbles. All right. <laughs> exactly. So let's so let's run through some of this stuff real quick. Um, as Charlie said, when someone in a private corporation or charity does something that you don't like, you know what you can do? You can stop giving them their money, your money. You just yeah. stop giving them money. Yeah. And they don't come to your house mm -hmm. with a gun and put you in the back of a car and, and put you in a cage afterwards. They can't. They have can't guys, do it. Have you guys ever had a bad experience with a restaurant or, you know, anything like that? We had one a couple weeks ago. Now, I'm going to give them the, a little bit of benefit of the doubt waking, you know, getting back up to business after this whole pandemic and being forced to be shut down. But here in the little town that I moved to, we went to a place called Brothers, which uh, which I've heard from everybody is really good. And we just had a terrible experience and now I don't want to go back. There's lots of other really great restaurants where I know I'm going to get great food and great service. And I just don't want to go back there now. And this, that's me voting with my dollars yeah. of that corporation. And you can do the same thing. There's lots of people who refuse to shop at Walmart. There, lots of yeah. them. I, my wife and I choose to spend more money on groceries than we would have to because we don't want to go to our Walmart. It's terrible. Yes. It's it's a really, really, everything's in glass cases at our Walmart. So we don't we don't go there. Of emotion? Like, hey, can I get some sour cream? Yeah, let me get the key for that real quick. Like, that. that's what our Walmart's like. And so we don't go there. We go to Publix and we spend about $80 billion more than we would at Walmart. But that that's I a do. free choice. Publix, though, they're... The Publix that's brand is good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. if I got a pretty good butcher back there too, man. Yeah. It's because they're a socialist company. That's why. <laughs> okay, guys, the bailout fund promoted by celebrities under fire after taking in $30 million and spending almost none of it on bail. This is from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. Posted this in the Patreon, private Patreon group, which you can get in at patreon.com slash Liberty. I just thought this was pretty interesting. On Monday, the celebrity-touted Minnesota Freedom Fund, MFF, posted a message online after facing intense backlash over the bailout, over the bailout charity's allocation of funds and lack of transparency. According to the MFF's website, the organization has brought in over $30 million in donations since the death of George Floyd. However, only, they put in quotes, well over, $200,000 in donations so far that they have put back out there. 
out of the 30 million that they've taken in. Less than 1% of their funds have actually been used to bail out protesters and rioters. Uh, the, they, they said, we appreciate all those calling for transparency. The fund posted online Monday, we see y'all. Our values and mission have not changed since 2016. Be on the lookout for things coming on our end. Be well. I bet it's going to be in the form of a bunch of political donations. And that's, that's what it's actually going to be in the form of. A follow-up t- tweet read, without jeopardizing the safety of the folks we bailed out, we paid well over $200,000 in the week since uprising alone. We are working on doing more. According to a report from Newsweek, many online better work on doing about 50% more at least. According to a report from Newsweek, many online have said that MFF has collected $35 million in donations in recent weeks and spent only a small fraction, prompting 35 million and only 200K to start trending on Twitter. Uh, Quote, it's not clear exactly how much the fund has raised since protests began, but on the frequently asked questions section of the MFF website, updated earlier this month, it said more than 30 million have been donated to the fund in the wake of Floyd's death. Uh, Let me see here. So, as noted by the Daily Wire, this is from the Daily Wire, celebrities like Steve Carell, Seth Rogen, uh, Ben Schwartz, Don Cheadle chipped in $1,000 each. Oh, great. Thanks for the $1,000. (laughs) <laughs> I love that Steve Carell chipped in a thousand dollars. Isn't that just great? Hey, here's oh my god! This is also they can pat, they can pet themselves on the back. These these people want a progressive tax system too. Yeah, <laughs> protests started to pop up across the nation after the story that you guys all know that is in every article, and it's super annoying because we all know why this is happening. Okay, so here's the here's what I took away from this. Number one. Private charities can do bad things. It's not entirely obvious that they have uh, failed completely and stolen all of the money and that they're all just living in nice mansions and stuff like that. We don't know that. We can all speculate about how the people who run the charity are just getting rich, you know, living on their charity. Everything they go do is, is a charity event all the time. Their private plane is a charity. All these things that they go around doing are a charity. We, you know, we can speculate that that kind of stuff is going on. Because that goes on in a lot of in a lot of people's charities, but what I thought was interesting from this is, so what's the response? Do you think people are going to have from this? Do you think MFF is just going to keep taking in millions in donations right now? Probably not. Probably a lot of people are going to stop donating to it, which is perfect. And that's the amazing part. Yeah, we don't need to pass any laws. This charity was supposed to do this thing. It was supposed to bail people out. And they haven't been bailing people out. I bet you there's a lot of people around the country that are in jail from the protesting and rioting and all that kind of stuff that they have not bailed out. And they're sitting on the money, not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now, what can people do? They can stop giving the people money. And that's amazing. Because if it were the government and they were supposed to be bailing out people or doing whatever they're going to do, you're forced to give them money. And there is no transparency. And that, that really is the good part about charity here. That's what people need to realize. People that are donating to this need to realize the amazing fact that if they're not happy with what this charity is doing, they are no longer forced to give them any money. And that there's, there's just something just plainly beautiful and obvious about that and how we should rely more heavily on charities for things. But people, people on the left, 
And, and uh, yeah, people on the left demonize charity. So I've seen Bernie Sanders post several times about how how terrible it is that people have to go to GoFundMe to try and get their medical bills paid. And people are listed on GoFundMe so they can pay for their education. And this is awful. No, that's not awful. It's awful. You're saying it's awful that people voluntarily gave people money so they could pay for things. Yeah. And what would be less awful is if we forcefully took it from people. Like the people still need the money to pay for the things. The money still has to be paid out. What you're saying is that it would be better if it were done through force instead of done through a voluntary activity. And that's just straight up disgusting to me and tells you everything you need to know about the ideology. So I, I don't agree. know, man. That's uh that's that's that article. I know we got a quick podcast today. So Well, and it's unbelievable that this this organization would take in that amount of money and then only spend well less than one percent of it. Oh yeah. On on what their actual values and missions is supposed to be. So well, be on the lookout to see what they actually do. Because look, charity's the way. It's what we preach all the time. Like charity's the way of of fixing a lot of these things. I'll tell you what it's uh, probably going to be. It's going to be specific donations to it's in Minnesota. It's going to be specific donations to political campaigns in that area. I will speculate and say maybe a donation to the Joe Biden campaign or AOC or who was, who's up there in Minnesota, Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. uh, people like that. Like the, it's going to end up turning into a political slush fund like like BLM like that yeah. it's going to end up turning into that for for change and they'll say well we're still doing what we said we were going to do we're just trying to do it on a bigger level no you were supposed to be taking the money and bailing people out of jail that needed to get out of jail like that that's what you were supposed to be doing not trying to donate to the right politicians to change the laws and enact all of the policies that you want there are still people sitting in jail that right. you were supposed to bail out of jail so the, do, do your job as a charity. That's why people put their money in there. Do your job as a charity or you're going to stop getting money from people. So uh, there's no reason for you to exist to donate money to political campaigns. There's plenty of people can donate their own money to people's political campaigns. Right. So anyway, tell me about this next. This was going to be a dumb bleep of the week. Actually, it'll probably still be an entry. But I wanted to have a little bit more in-depth conversation on this real quick because... It's ridiculous. It's a slightly tough conversation, but it's obvious. And anyway, tell me about Rashida Tlaib. So this coming from Rashida Tlaib. I thought it was Rashid Tlaib. Rashida. Well, you know, everybody knows her name. Rashid's her husband. She's she's part of the what's that power four group? The what is that called? (laughs) Am I just the reading squad. the tweet here, or is this started? The, the, the article is it, so the she posted. Started? She posted this article, the one that's right after the tweet. I see. I see. Yeah. So I'll read this article here, and then we'll go over her tweet here. A U.S. government study confirms most face recognition systems are racist. This is coming from <laughs> Technology Review. Almost 200 face recognition algorithms, a majority in the industry, had worse performance on non-white faces, according to a landmark study. What they tested, the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology tested every algorithm on two of the most common tasks for face recognition. The first, known as one-to-one matching, involves matching a photo of someone to another photo of the same person in a database. This is used to unlock smartphones or check passports, for example. The second, known as one-to-many searching, involves determining whether a photo of someone has any match in a database. This is often used by police departments to identify suspects in an investigation. 
The agency studied four face data sets currently used in U.S. government applications, mugshots of people living in the U.S., application photos from people applying for visas, and photos of people as they cross the border into the U.S. In total, the data sets included 18.27 million images of 8.49 million people. What they found. NIST shared some high-level results from the study, the main ones. Number one. For one-to-one matching, most systems had a higher rate of false positive matches for Asian and African-American faces over Caucasian faces, sometimes by a factor of 10 or even 100. In other words, they were more likely to find a match when there wasn't one. Number two, this changed for face recognition algorithms. Uh, This change for face uh, recognition algorithms developed in Asian countries, which produced very little difference in false positives between Asian and Caucasian faces. Algorithm developed in the U.S. were all consistently bad at matching Asian, African-American, and Native American faces. Native Americans suffered the highest false positive rates. One too many matching systems had the worst false false positive rates for African-American women, which puts this population at the highest risk for being falsely accused of a crime. Now, you would think that would correlate to African-American women in prison being the number one. (laughs) <laughs> well, not yet. But not yet. Not so, yet. Why this matters. The use of face recognition systems is growing rapidly in law enforcement, border control, and other applications throughout society. While several academic studies have previously shown popular commercial systems to be used on race and gender, NIST study is the most comprehensive evaluation to date and confirms these earlier results. The findings call into question whether these systems should continue to be so widely used. Next steps. It's now up to policymakers to figure out the best uh, the best way to regulate these technologies. Of course, it's always about regulation to regulate the technology. NIST also urges face recognition developers to conduct more research into how these biases could be mitigated. That's probably the non-conscious bias training is what we need. (laughs) We need to put the cameras through non-conscious bias. Now, do you know anything about and and then Rashida? Sorry, Rashida Tlaib's tweet is. Facial rec- recognition technology is racist. <laughs> so, Nate, are yeah. they developing racist cameras? Now, there's uh, two sides to this. There's the one part of the study where they said that uh, that technology developed in Asian countries was better at recognizing Asian faces. So, there's the one side of it that could potentially say, I don't know, the the person that is developing the technology might do a better job uh, programming in recognition for a face that looks like theirs or looks like the bulk of the population or something like that. I, I don't know on a statistical basis, maybe. The other side of that is these are cameras. And maybe this is a difficult, con- it feels like it, it weirdly feels like a difficult conversation, but this mm-hmm. is not a new thing. Cameras, if people don't know how cameras work, they capture light. Cameras capture light. That's that's what they see. They they see light. And the better camera that you get is something that has a better light sensitivity. And I'm trying to figure out all the ways to say this. You know, one time I was working on a music video with a friend of mine, and we were we were shooting the music video for a band, and it was a rock band, and they had a black lead singer. And the guy's name was Maurice, actually. And uh, we called him Crazy Old Maurice all the time. But anyway, he was standing up there getting ready to film. And the cameraman goes, hey, Nate, could you stand in front of the camera for a minute? And ask Maurice to step to the side. 
And I was like, okay, I'll go over here. And then everyone was just kind of sitting there staring like, wait, what, what just happened? Why did he have Maurice go to the side and have me stand up there? Right. And I go out loud. I go, oh, the white balance, <laughs> which yeah. is a setting on, ca on a camera. <laughs> yeah. And, and so <laughs> I don't know why this conversation is so difficult, but cameras pick up light and light, lighter, lighter things, including skin tone, reflect light more than darker skin tone will. Just like and, a white shirt reflects and, light way more than a, than a black shirt. Does. And I probably don't have to say this to anyone who is actually black, but it, it, it might be more difficult in different lighting scenarios to get a camera to focus properly on someone who has dark skin than on someone who has light skin because of lighting. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that's racist for me to say or anything like that. It's just a fact of the mechanical workings of what cameras do. Right. Okay. So we have to do certain things with our lighting. And if there's too much light in here, well, it just, it just, you know, we, I always say, well, it's flashing us out right now, really bad. And, and it'll just look, and it'll just look terrible until it adjusts until until the camera adjusts to if that you have the automatic potentially ISO so adjust so now it'll it'll adjust to to my hand a little bit right there but if i bring it back it's going to be flashed out really bad now that's what a lot of light now if i go back to it right now to where i have this shade all the way shut because there's a window right here it gets back to being balanced pretty well on my face now if i were a black Marie, Marie if, says don't worry i smile in my photos <laughs> <God>. <laughs> now if i were a black person sitting right here this might be completely different. This shade being completely shut with no lights on in this room whatsoever might not pick up my face the same way. Okay. I, I Listen, never thought I'd ever have to talk about this in my entire life, but this is something <laughs> that cameras do. Now right. your phone, your cell phone, by the way, your, your iPhone is different. The, the face ID on your iPhone picks up heat sensitivity. That's why you can be wearing sunglasses. That's why you can be wearing glasses. That's why it can be completely dark at night and you can open your phone and mm -hmm. it can see your face because it's picking up heat. It's not actually looking at your face. And so there's, there's some differences, but the facial recognition technology is just simply looking out and trying to pick out faces. So all you would have to do is imagine whether or not on a mechanical algorithmic tech, technology wise basis in this if everyone is in the same light the same lighting if people with lighter faces would be picked up better by the cameras than people with darker faces that's that's all i would have to say but we live in a world where anything that has some type of a disproportionate effect on someone of color means that it is done out of racism right just automatic racism that's what it is even the criminal justice system, while a lot of it is probably racism, especially down in the South and everything, it's not entirely out of racism. Like we say, we have an economic problem right now. And when you get in the cycle of poverty, which, which I do believe stems from the racism that everyone had to live through, right. your, your parents and your grandparents, and you get generational poverty on a statistically higher basis for people of color, well, then you're going to keep doing that. And people who are more in poverty, you're going to be more inclined to commit crimes. And then you're going to be less inclined. You're going to be less able to buy a private defender instead of having a public defender. And you're going to, you know, there's just going to be a lot more problems that, that arise from that. So it's not a, even the criminal justice system is not all out of the fact that everyone in the criminal justice system is racist or laws are racist. There are other things. But in 2020, if, if a camera 
picks up my face differently in this light in this room if the if a camera picks up my face differently than it would if there were a black person sitting here that means that the camera technology is racist yeah that's it it hates black people the people who made the camera hate black people the people who wrote the software that makes the camera work hate black people and we've got to attack everything and this creates a dishonesty where you eventually write off everything because if someone is screaming racism all the time then it becomes someone crying wolf that's what that's what it eventually becomes because if every single thing is that's racist that's racist well eventually you just shut it off because you're like well they just said that was racist like how am i supposed to listen to them on this right now why would i listen to joe biden after what he's been doing over the last 40 years Rashida Tlaib just said that cameras were racist. Why would I care what she just had to say about some other thing that she's saying is racist? Obviously, she just goes around crying racist all the time. Mm -hmm. So what I am saying is people who actually care about this need to be a little bit more objective and truthful when they decide whether or not something is actually racist because you could be doing a massive disservice to a cause that is important. But if you just go around crying racist all the time, you're going to end up killing the cause because people are going to turn off their brains to it eventually. Mm -hmm. So that's 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 all I got. Yeah, it's kind of a a little bit of a funny story, I think. It's yeah, it's it uh, Sam said that you were white splaining, so I, I don't exactly. know if yeah, it's exactly it's hard to speak on this issue because we're white. It is. Yeah. You know, I was talking. You can't to my, form. You don't have opinions. I was by the talking way. to my wife about that idea last night, and we were saying. It is true, like, I can't say, I can't speak on the uh, the things that people who are black or brown or whatever have gone through in their lives. Like, I can't speak on that. I right. can only speak on what I've gone through in my life. That's it. That's all I can speak on. And maybe you, because I've been there so closely the whole time. But that's really all I can speak on. And so people do need to realize that, that you don't know exactly what someone has gone through. But you know what? That goes both ways. And so also people who are people of color who are just deciding that all, that all white people have benefited from privilege and that their lives have been privileged and, and that the people are racist and all that also have to apply the same logic and say, you know what? I haven't actually lived that person's life. I don't know what they went through at all i only know my experience and the people really close to me so the it's got to go both ways right when you come to that so anyway anyway tell me about this beverly hills real quick well let's go over the let's go over the cop oh yeah yeah, yeah. let's yeah. do that as the last story yeah you're right so tell me about that okay so you guys probably saw the news the former atlanta officer garrett rolf charged with murder and could i mean they they got the death penalty down there okay so he could face the death penalty if he does actually be if he is actually found guilty on this charge he could actually get the death penalty so this is from fox garrett wolf the atlanta police officer fire, uh, fired after the killing of richard brooks last week now faces 11 charges including felony murder which could potentially lead to the death penalty a georgia da announced wednesday a second officer devin brosnan is facing three charges including aggravated assault how was the other how was the other officer facing aggravated assault he tackled the guy i guess he was part of the struggle that can't be a real thing well in this day and age 
Good we'll, get, Lord. we'll get to the conversation. Okay, but. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard Jr. said at a news conference, during the announcement, Howard said that Brosman had agreed to give a statement against Rolf and become a state's witness, so the other cop is going to give a statement, uh, but Brosman's attorney later disputed the claim. Uh, he said he honestly told the DA's office everything that happened during the lengthy interview yesterday. Uh, he'll continue to tell the DA or the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or any other investigator what happened, but he is absolutely not guilty of any crime and will not plead guilty and has not agreed to be a state's witness. Brooks was shot outside a Wendy's restaurant where he'd apparently fallen asleep in his car in the drive through He allegedly failed a field sobriety test and ultimately was seen wrestling with the officers and running with one of their tasers leading up to the shooting and also firing the taser at the officer. Brosnan's attorney said he suffered a concussion when Brooks knocked him to the ground during the scuffle. Howard said investigators reviewed at least eight videos of the incident, including police body and dash cam images, as well as Wendy's surveillance footage and cell phone recordings taken by witnesses at the scene. We've concluded at the time Mr. Brooks was shot that he did not pose an immediate threat of death or serious physical in- injury to the officer or officers, Howard said at the news conference Wednesday. Brooks, 27, was seen running across the parking lot with a bright object in his hand when the GBI said was a, which they said was a stolen taser. The officer chased him, also carrying what appeared to be a taser. Brooks turned back, extending the officer, shooting it at the officer, and the officer then pulled his handgun and took down Mr. Brooks. So, I feel like this is pretty crazy. And this is not something that a lot of a lot of libertarians are going to agree on this because the libertarians hatred for the government is stronger than their love of liberty. Like mm-hmm. we've been talking about a lot of them, not all of them, but, but a lot of them, this is, this was a very difficult situation. And what we were already talking about, uh, whatever day it was that we talked about this was that this is not just a simple cut and dry hundred percent either way situation, but it's being treated as such. You, that's why we were talking about this because Assuming that this is an obvious answer situation leads to a felony murder charge because that would be the answer if this were an obvious answer situation. But that's not the case right here. The, the, there was obviously an altercation. The officer was chasing the guy. He had taken a taser from him. He, he fired the taser at the officer and then the officer took him down. Now, we expressed our opinions on what we wish could have been done differently, whether or not the guy should have been placed under arrest in the first place, uh, all, all kinds of things like that. But now we get to the felony murder charge, and I, I just simply do not think that this is the correct answer. I mean, maybe manslaughter. Maybe. Maybe. But at the same time, I, do, I have a hard time feeling like that charge will even hold up in court. But this is this is what happens when you see mob rule. That's what this is. the The city of Atlanta and George and the state of Georgia are trying to do something to ensure that they don't increase the riots um, and increase the mob and, and increase the violence. That's what they're trying to to stave off here, I believe. And so they think by charging this guy, they're going to stave off some of the riots and the violence and all of that kind of stuff. But this is the this is the disgusting mob rule um, part of things that you can devolve into whenever your cause, not your cause, sorry, whenever you're advocating for things based based on the cause where you don't have a principled stance. Well, you can't. It's just like if you happen to be in an altercation with a black person at all, 
then now you're racist completely. I mean, the other officer got charged. The, facts. the other officer got charged with assault. What what do officers do when someone's resisting arrest? Right. Like the, you can't tackle the person. Now listen, <laughs> we already had the conversation about whether or not the guy should have been arrested in the first place. You know, we've already had that conversation. Aside from that, assuming that an officer is arresting someone and that that is justified, you, you can't tackle the person if they're trying to get away from you or right. if they're trying to take a taser from you or they're trying to do whatever the, the guy gets charged with assault that's insane and then you get charged with murder like it's it's questionable like like we've talked about several times i don't i don't know if if shooting the guy three times was the appropriate response completely you know that my wife pointed out she's like doesn't a taser just fire once you know and then you have to like retract it uh, so once the guy fired the taser, that's when the officer put his taser down and pulled his gun out. Well, at the time he put his taser down and pulled his gun out, he knew that that taser had been fired once. He hadn't been hit by it. Right. And he was pulling out his gun and shooting the guy. So I can see the argument there. But this is really dangerous. I will tell you one thing. If I were a police officer, I would I would quit for sure right now. The, and maybe this is the idea. Maybe that's the idea. And maybe that's how we lead to the defund the police and having less police and all that is all the officers are going to quit. Right. But this doesn't automatically equal a better society afterwards when you have people who are, I mean, you know, private policing or public policing or whatever, we're going to want people in the society that are going to have to uphold some type of law, even if it's laws against harming other people. Like that's, that's what it is. You're going to want some people there to uphold that. In some kind of way, whether they're public or private. And this mob rule against people when, when this goes south is not going to just automatically end up in a better society. The, these are symptoms of problems like we've been talking about. This is a symptom of a problem. We need to talk about what needs to happen when someone is getting a DUI, when the vehicle wasn't moving, when the police officer pulled up there. So the vehicle wasn't in motion. I know the keys were in the ignition, so... So, so legally that gets it right there, but we need to talk about whether or not there's other options there. We need to talk about the war on drugs. We got to talk about all these things, the police unions, the civil asset forfeiture, the, all these things that are leading to symptoms of a problem, which is the people who enforce everything. We got to decrease like 95% of the laws that are on the books have to be removed. And then the people that are out there enforcing laws are only enforcing laws when someone has been harmed. And in the act of a crime. And, and then they're out there only doing that. But right now they're out there hunting. And this isn't the solution to the problem. No one's trying to solve the problem right now. It's, it's freaking annoying right now. I couldn't agree more. So I, I call this, uh, the title of the episode is, Is This a Modern Day Lynching? And this is a modern, I, I do believe that at the end of the day, this is a modern day lynching. This thing happened uh, over the weekend. You know, we're four days into the week right now. Three days into the week, the guy's already been charged with murder. Uh, you know, he was fired immediately afterwards. That never happens. That that never happens. You're placed on administrative leave or you're placed on something like that while they review the evidence. The, the guy was fired immediately afterwards. The police chief resigned immediately. Exactly what you said, Charlie. They're trying to curb the rioting and violence that was going to come after this. That's That's what they were trying to do. And now they're swiftly moving ahead and charging this guy with murder when the justice system never works this fast. No. Like ever. And 
I just don't think that, you know, we'll, we'll somehow see that the trials for this guy and the trial for the guy in Minnesota are going to be uh, in October this year, somehow, when statistically it would take two years for something to get the trial. Right. Somehow they're going to work out the trials to be taking place in October this year. And I don't think the guy is going to get, I don't think the guy is going to go down for murder on this. I, don't I, think I really so don't. I, and as I said in my Patreon video this morning, that could be the idea here. I actually think that could have been the is a little bit of motivation up in Minnesota too, uh, that they they raised the charges on the guy. I don't know if they can if they can prove second degree murder. Second degree murder is you had to have the intent to kill someone when when you were doing something. Now you didn't pre plan it, but you had to have the intent to kill someone. And I don't know if they can prove that he had the intent to kill him. But and then in this one, I don't think they can prove that it's murder when how many how many cases, how much precedent is there going to be for police officers on this where this type of thing has happened several times where someone fired a weapon at a police officer and he responded with a weapon after the guy had already been hit with a taser. It didn't phase him whatsoever. And the guy fired the weapon at him. I mean, these days, if you got a burrito pointed at an officer, they'll excuse it and say that it was a justified use of deadly force. Or they'll plant guns and stuff. Or they'll put a gun on them, you know? So th this time, the guy actually had a weapon that could, in fact, be deadly, although the DA says it's not deadly, even though a couple weeks ago we said that tasers were deadly weapons, you know? This is, this is politics right now. You got a DA... And you got the the mayor and all all these people that don't want massive rioting. They want to show their stance. They want to prove a point. And a lot of a lot of police officers are going to walk off the job on this. And I would I would totally do that if I were a cop. Yeah. Who who are they encouraging to be cops right now? No one. You know, like this is just again, as Maurice said in the in the live group, it's all for show. They're trying by charging this guy with eleven counts. Uh, felony murder being one of them. They're probably not going to get felony murder, but they're going to get this guy on something. One of the 11 counts, which is what the state does. They'll charge you with a, a thousand things and if they can get you on one of them, then yeah. that's, that's all they want. And then the he'll go down for, you know, uh, impeding an investigation or something. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. That's what we'll go to prison for. Right. <laughs> for, li for lying. For lying. Yeah. yeah. He'll lie in one of his, in his right. depositions sometimes. So, and it's just a, you know, another example of, of, of how inept the government is at doing things. Oh, it's, it's there, just another example of it. There's no principle. You give the people power. God, this goes the other way too. I mean, the, the same DA, if you could say that there's really no cause for this guy to be charged with murder right now, the same power of the DA charges black people with murder all the time when there's a circumstantial case or it was some kind of BS facial recognition system. You know, there's there's all kinds of things out there where the DA is going to charge other people with murder and the principle's got to be the same right. all the way through here. You know, the, this has to be the same. And, and if you don't want this to happen to, to people of color, where they get charged with murder when maybe it was self-defense or something like that in Georgia, you know, that they're likely to, to put you to death in a couple weeks down there if you're black, more than likely. But it's just, you don't want this because it sets precedent for the future. And I don't see any way that, I don't see any way police officers, like who's going to go into policing right now? Right. And I realize we're libertarians. We're like, oh, you know, you know, maybe that's not... 
a terrible thing the worst thing in the world <laughs> but like i said th- this and this same thing is going to carry through to if we had our utopian private policing system too there's right. not going to be any principle but the, the, the people are going to be put in put in prison for assault when they're trying to tackle someone because they actually did something that you agree should have been an arrest for and then someone's going to resist and then they're going to tackle the person to the ground and then they're going to get charged with assault Mm -hmm. so the same thing is going to happen again if you allow the principle to stay there you got to remove the fact that this is a government policing system and ask if this exact same thing is going to be the case when we have private policing out there and if it would, then we have a principled problem right now. We've got a we got a lynching problem right now because of politics. And we don't want that in whatever the policing system is that we have. So I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. I know you gotta go. So let's uh, I do. let's wrap this you up. You gotta wrap it up, man. All right, guys. So subscribe to the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty if you want to hang out live with us every single day. Thank you so much for all the the support on there. We, you know, we're, we're putting that money towards growing the Liberty movement all the time. That That's all we're working on, that and trading. If you are interested in trading, you got a couple days to get in on that seven-day free trial, and you'll never get that chance again this week. So go to mastermytrades.com if you want to learn everything from reading charts and trading the strategies that we trade every day. It's not just going to magically come easy. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is building towards a career. And you're going to have to work on it like you work on any other career. Mm-hmm. And it's not just going to happen overnight unless you're just purely lucky. And you don't want to build a career based on luck. Because when you get in the bigger numbers, you don't want to still be working on luck. Because you'll end up having a massive downfall. we got to build the discipline, the strategy, so we can build a strong foundation and move forward towards a really fruitful trading career in the future. So that's what we're doing over at MasterMyTrades.com. Y'all, please continue to share the show and leave us that rating and review. Share the show with a friend, with an enemy, with a communist, with a share it with a Republican, with a Democrat, whoever there is, whoever it is, share the show with them and let them know what we're doing over here because we're we're actually spewing the truth. Yeah. That's what we're doing over here. Truth. Yeah. I mean, Maurice said we were getting a little close to logical. So Y'all be careful out there with all this logic or Jim said it. So y'all be careful with all this logic going on. So please uh, share the show with a friend and then also leave us a rating and review that helps us out with all the algorithmic computation that happens in the background there at Apple and all these other places. So if you guys do all of that, then we will be back tomorrow. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty.